Starting our series, Peace, as we head into Christmas, you might have seen the graphic up here and seen the, uh, the title of it. It seemed logical to call the Christmas series Peace. I don't know if you know this, but there aren't so many, there aren't that many subjects you can really hit on at Christmas time. But it seemed logical because this seemed to be the number one thing that we think about in December. When we think about it from a Christian's perspective, one thing we think, we put it on our Christmas cards, right? Peace. And even in our commercials and in everything that we do around the Christmas time, there's always this idea of peace. This idea that, right, this is going to be the year that all the in-laws and relatives come in and you won't be reminded why you don't like them the rest of the year, right? You just, they all show up and you gather around yonder Christmas tree and you decorate and you sing and you drink hot chocolate, right? And you eat fruitcake and I don't know what else you might do at Christmas time, but it's always peaceful. It's always these scenes of peace and these scenes of peaceful times here on earth. And we sing the Christmas carols together and we all sing and we have this happy time. And it's this idea of peace on there. And I like Christmas carols as much as the next guy. Enjoy. We're going to sing a few of them this month as we go into it. Right. We're going to do it. But if you ever really look at the lyrics of Christmas carols, it's just a little bit odd, to be honest with you. All right. There's a lot of words that nobody ever uses. Yan and Don and fa-la-la-la. Right. By the 18th fa-la-la-la-la, you're ready to tap out. You're done. Right. You kind of feel that thing. It's just a little odd. And some of them are not just odd. Some of them are just plain out strange. Like, you know, this carol, do you hear what I hear? Right. You got a little lamb talking to a shepherd boy. That's just I don't know if you've ever actually read these. That's just a little somebody needs therapy. That's what needs to happen. All right. Somebody needs been out in the field a little too long. You've been hearing the but we just we you have these carols that we sing. And then the most famous one is Silent Night, Holy Night, All is Calm, All is Bright, Round Yon Virgin. Right. We just we sing these songs and we probably sing that song at, uh, at our candle lighting service. Right. In our Christmas service this year. It's a beautiful song. Right. It's just going to be an awesome time. We'll sing it. It'll be a calm and beautiful moment. But honestly, that song is not very accurate. Because if you think about the Christmas night, the actual birth of Christ, there was nothing about that night that you would actually say was a silent night. Definitely not calm. There was a lot of turmoil during that night. And a lot of us don't even know the, the circumstances that surround it. I mean, we know that the couple went to Bethlehem. We know that they showed up and there was no room in the inn. And so they had to go right to the stable. And we, we know that part of the story. But honestly, it's been a year almost that it's been leading up to this moment. It's been a year that would not be described as silent night, holy night, all this. It's been turmoil, especially for Mary and Joseph, especially for that night. It's been craziness surrounding the circumstance. And the Bible tells us that Mary and Joseph, a few months before, right? It tells us that many months before they had been engaged to be married. Now, in that culture, in that culture, engagement was a lot more serious than we think about it today. In that culture, it was basically that they were married. They probably already exchanged their vows. They probably already made that commitment. They just hadn't consummated the relationship yet. They hadn't consummated the marriage. And so in their eyes, though, they were already basically married. And they, in the middle of all of that, Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant. And so he has all this commitment, all these things that's already happened. And then he finds out that Mary is pregnant. See, Joseph would have worked his entire life to make enough money to earn the right to be married. Come on, somebody. That's romantic. That's what, that's what true romance is. He would have made enough money to have even the right to be married. And so he would have found Mary and then worked with her father. And it would have been all these things that he would be working towards. And so he would have had all this expectation of what their married life would look like. And all of a sudden, all those expectations and those dreams that Joseph probably had are dashed when he finds out Mary's pregnant and he has a decision to make. Because is this really the Holy Spirit or did Mary, did Mary cheat on him? But she's pregnant, and so now it's also the question of, are they going to be humiliated and embarrassed and ostracized from their families? Because they are engaged, but they're not really married yet, and so this would cause a lot of outcasts. This would cause them to be looked down on by the family. You think about this. They're going to Bethlehem, which is the home place of Joseph. 
They're going there. So all his other family would be going there as well. And still there is no room. And still there is nobody but shepherds and the wise men that show up at this birth. And you think about this, that they were ostracized. This was not this was not a silent and calm and great thing for them. They're in this situation. And I mean, complete rejection, complete humiliation for them. You think about Mary going around saying, well, you know, it's the it's the Holy Spirit. It's the, the Holy Spirit did this. The Holy Spirit. Come on, people, let's not be too holy this morning. Would you have believed her? Would you have? You know, it's the it's the we wouldn't have believed. her. I don't know how high and mighty you want to pretend that you are. We just say, OK, OK, that's fine. You just go on. You just continue, continue on with your life, man. I could tell it's going to be a snooty crowd this morning. I can feel. I know we wouldn't have believed. So here's this poor young girl in trouble. Here's this man whose hopes and dreams of his marriage are dashed. And they come together. And on top of that, they're going to pay taxes. Come on, somebody. They're headed to Bethlehem to pay their taxes. So there's financial pain there going on, right? There's just a lot. On top of all that, the Bible says, we're going to read a little bit of the Christmas story today. The Bible says this in Luke 2. While they were there, so they made it there finally, on a donkey, by the way. So all you ladies in the room, nine months pregnant on the back of a mule. I don't know, it just doesn't, that doesn't work. I don't, I don't, you do the math on that one. All right, let's read though. The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths, and she placed him in a manger, because there was no room available for them. And I like that word there, the manger, right? That's a very picturesque word in our minds, the nativity, that beautiful manger. No, this is where the pigs and the goats and the horses and the cows have just put their faces, right? This is just moments before. And there is no lady in the room that would want to put their newborn child in this place. I, I don't, I, maybe there's one. I don't know. We can talk afterwards. That's and take some thing. But she had to. There's no room for them in the end. What I'm trying to describe for you, what I'm trying to get across, is that even though we sing it, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is a night of turmoil. This is a night of chaos. This is a night that's leading up from these months and months of this turmoil in their lives. This is all leading up to the culmination of this night. In fact, the whole season, this whole circumstances around the birth of Jesus just has this turmoil. It has this real feel to it. It's real. And why, why would God do that? Because I'm convinced God does nothing on accident. So why would God choose to send his son into the midst of all that? He did it so that because Jesus, the one who is the one who will relate to you and I, could relate to you and I. So that the characters in this story don't feel like this high and mighty type thing. These are real people going through real things. And so when we go to Christ with our problems, he doesn't say, well, yes, I am almighty God in heaven. And, you know, you are my project, miserable wretch on earth. And so I might I might deign to help. No, no, he actually went through the things I understand is what he says. I understand. And so all of you who have tax issues and financial issues and turmoil in your life and chaos and emotional maybe distress or or humiliation or you've been ostracized or mules or whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever problems that you have, we have that ability to go to one who understands. Whatever it is that's going through your life. And he says, I understand and I want to bring peace. I want to bring peace in the middle of the turmoil. And so these three weeks at Christmas time, here's what I want to do for today and the next two weeks. I want to figure out then how do we get to that place? How do we find peace on earth? And I want to start with that phrase because I think it encompasses this entire thought around Christmas because we put that on our cards, right? Peace on earth. Some of you maybe put that on your Christmas cards. Some of you won't send cards until the 25th, right? Come on, somebody. Some of you, but some of you have put that peace on earth, that phrase there. And so here's what I did. And I encourage you to do this as well, if you'd like in your own time. And that is I looked in every translation of the Bible to find this phrase, peace on earth. Every translation, and you can search on Bible Gateway or your concordance of choice, whatever you like to do. And all the translations to find this particular phrase, peace on earth. Check it out. It only shows up once in all of the translations, the phrase. Write it down if you're taking notes. Here it is, Luke 12, 51. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. 
Merry Christmas, everybody. There you go. That's your that's your theme verse for this. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No. And Jesus said, I tell you, no, I came to bring division. Put that on your Christmas card, everybody. Come on. some. I came to bring division. So really, the phrase, the concept of peace on earth, it doesn't really exist. And I'm going to tell you why that is in just a moment. But the truth is, it's the reality. The song's got it wrong. That verse got it right. Because if we're truthful together this morning, if we're actually going to tell each other the truth and be honest, there's a lot of times you would say, yeah, I'm looking around at my earth and there's not a whole lot of peace. I'm actually looking at the earth that we're living in and there is not a whole lot of peace. I'm looking at my life and there's not a whole lot of peace. In fact, I did a little research for you just to kind of help you out in this concept. In the last 3,400 years of human history, there have been 286 years of peace on earth where there were no wars. Out of 3,400 years, there have been 286 years that there's no peace. There's very little peace on earth. There is very little. In fact, the promise of Scripture, John 16, if you're taking notes, I told you these things. So Jesus said, I told you all of this stuff so that you could have peace. Because in this world, there is no peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Come on, somebody, write that out and put it on your fridge. Nobody, right, nobody says, I like that. Nobody likes that verse, all right? In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. And so he's saying, in this world, you're probably saying there isn't a lot of peace. Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, but division. And he's saying, that's your, that's your promise right there, that in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you won't have it. That verse got it all right. I promise you, if you look at your life, you would say, yeah, there's probably a lot of areas that I'm not experiencing peace in. If we're honest with one another, if we're not just kind of whitewashed, whatever, mamby-pamby, whatever it is we try to say to get through a Sunday or whatever it is, we're honest with each other. You'd probably say there are a lot of areas, yeah, there's not a lot of peace there. There's not a lot of peace. And you don't have to go very far in this world. You don't have to drive very far or meet too many people to realize that there's not a lot of peace. That there's not a lot of peace on the earth. Just thought I'd kind of identify this with you. And so I wanted to start off this morning and I want to just look at a few things that steal our peace. A few things that we have in our lives that tend to steal our peace from us. In this entire series, we're going to look at that concept of peace then and how to reclaim it. Because I believe that God wants to give it to us. And so we're going to look at that. The first one here, are four things. Jot them down if you're taking notes. First thing that steals our peace, and the power word there, the one that I think kind of lays this out is that first one, unavoidable, but it's unavoidable circumstances. Unavoidable circumstances. And these are things that just kind of happen to you. These are things that happen in your life, and it's not anything that you did, but they just kind of happen to you. It's kind of like, can I lock it up? Can I insure it? Can I, can I try to make sure that it doesn't happen? And what happens? It happens anyways. These are things that just come on you. Like you think, well, let me take care of this body. And guess what? It still deteriorates. It still gets sick. It still happens. This is like if there's a flood and you wake up in the morning and the water is rising and you've got to get your family out. And everything you worked for for decades suddenly is gone in a flash. This is unavoidable circumstances. It's disasters. And maybe you've not had something that difficult, but you all know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It will steal and rip the peace from you in just a second. These are unavoidable circumstances. Jeremiah says it this way. He says, disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruin. In an instant, my tents are destroyed and my shelter in a moment. In a moment, it's all gone. These are unavoidable circumstances. And if you've had that, I encourage you, don't miss this series. Because I believe that God has something special for you. If you've walked through something like that, you've had a circumstance like that, or maybe you've experienced a financial loss. And maybe everything that you work for, it's gone all in a flash. I'll tell you another source that will rob you of your peace. This is actually my favorite one. That is unbearable people. Come on, somebody. Unbearable people. How many know an unbearable person? Let's see. Let's see. How many, how many are seated next to unbearable? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise. 
unbearable people. Because there are people in this world that are just mean. They're just mean. They'll steal your peace, right? We were actually, we went up for Thanksgiving, Detroit, Alabama, uh, this past week. How many, how many braved the interstate during Thanksgiving? How many drove out on the interstate? If you had, you would recognize, recognize some unbearable people. You would, you would have met them, right? If you went out. So we're driving up. I, I just, man, we're driving up. We must have passed four wrecks on the way there. Just traffic and miles and miles, backed up cars. Took me eight hours to go 300 miles. Come on, somebody. We just... We just crawled up. There. I could have walked faster, but we just we went up there to Detroit. And man, as we're going, we hit one wreck where we had about five or six miles of traffic. And we're just sitting there. And in Alabama, it's two lanes in that highway, right? So you just pick your lane, and that's where you are. God bless you. You just take it. That's a sign of maturity, by the way. I used to dodge lanes, like think like that one's moving, this one's moving. Now I just hope a eighteen wheeler gives me some shade, right? And I'm just gonna I'm gonna stick in my lane. There you go. You can gauge your maturity. But there was one guy in a sports car who was not as mature as I am. And all throughout this thing, he would try to dodge and cut people off. And, do, and it was funny to me because for about three miles, I would pass him. And then he'd try to cut and cut and try to get past and try to do the shoulder and do all this. And then we'd get ahead and then I'd pass him again. And, and you could tell every time I passed him, he was getting more and more frustrated. And I'm just, you know, just go on, man, just do. But at one point, he got so mad, he tried to cut off this larger vehicle, tried to cut them off, and they wouldn't let him in. And so by that point, I had pulled up already, right? Come on, praise the Lord. I already pulled into my spot. And so he couldn't get back in. And I'm telling you, he exploded. I'm talking window down, rah, 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 just hands waving. And I, think, and I gotta be honest with you, something unholy stirred up inside of me, all right? <laughs> something, something on the inside just stirred up. I'm, I'm thinking like, you want some of this? Me and my minivan, we're gonna, I'm, like, I, we're going two miles an hour. I'll put this thing in park, right? I'll get out and we'll just, we'll just right now, you and me, buddy, we'll just go. Just come on. Psalm, Psalm says it this way, right? The Psalm say, with words of hatred, they surround me. Come on, somebody on I-65. They attack me without cause. Without cause, they're around me. Unbearable, unbearable people. Unbearable. They'll rob me of you. I'm singing Veggie Tales with my kids, right? And this guy's going to come ruin. Not anymore. My day's not going great. I'm having a great... Man, I go to ruin unbearable people. will steal your peace in an instant. Man, and the truth of life is we have to live with unbearable people. But they will rip the peace out of you. You know what I'm talking about. A third one I actually experienced this year. A third one that we experienced in our family. And I'm going to be very transparent with you this morning. I think you appreciate it when I do. And we went through something this year, a little earlier in the year, we experienced the loss of a family member. Just a sudden loss. And no, no warning, no chance to say goodbye, no, nothing like that. And if you've ever gone through something like that, just a blindside. If you've ever been through something like that where it's just, it's just all out of the, just, just a blindside in your life, just, it's just a hit. When you go to your prayer time, man, it's different when you go there because you go there wanting some answers. And so one of the things that can rob us of our peace, and this is the third one, is unexplainable problems. Just unexplainable. Because you go into your prayer time, I'll be very honest with you this morning. I didn't go into my prayer time. I can't tell you that I went in there and there was this instant peace and an instant calm and all this thing. No, we go in there thinking, Lord, Lord, why? And if you've ever experienced something like that, you know what I'm talking about. And you begin to just ask these questions and you go in there just asking, Lord, do you really know what you're doing up there? Do you really know what's going on? Is, is it really? And you just be honest. And, and the Lord doesn't, doesn't turn you away for being honest, by the way. That's not something that God will turn you. But you have these moments. And what's going on with all this? And I'll be honest with you. I don't stay there very long because I know as sure as I'm standing here, as sure as I'm on this stage, that God knows. God knows what he's doing. That he knows how it all works out. I know that he knows. In fact, I'm comfortable with him knowing things that I don't understand. I'm comfortable with his ways being higher than my ways. I'm comfortable with him being smarter than I am. 
I don't want to serve a God that's not as smart as I, I want to serve a God that is way beyond. And so I'm comfortable with that. But you still have questions. You still have questions. But I'm convinced, man, one day we're going to stand face to face with God. First John 4 says it this way, that we're going to stand face to face. We're going to see him as he is. We're going to see it as he is. And one day our questions will be answered. But you still have them. You still have these unexplainable problems. I heard one preacher say it this way, that the first sound that you'll hear when we get to heaven is not this hallelujah, right? You're going to hear the first sound you'll hear when we get to heaven is a whole chorus of people going, oh, now I get it. Man, I really believe that, that when we get there, that there's going to be all the people say, okay, okay, okay. Now that really makes sense because we're going to see it as it is. Because one day we'll have the answers. One day it'll be explained to us. We'll see it how it is. But while we're living here, man, you have these questions. Even Jesus himself said, my God, my God, why? It's when you have those whys, when you have those things that come unexplainable problems, it will rob you of your peace. Take your peace from you. That's a lot of us today. And then all of them combined to this last one. And this one, I think, I would venture to say most of us experience this. Actually, I would, I would, be, I would venture to say all of us experience this and that is uncontrollable worry uncontrollable where i think we all worry about something we all worry about something and the fact the key word there is uncontrollable so it's not like we want to do it i i I doubt you would ever meet somebody who says well worry just really works for me like worry is just i like to worry like it just helps me in my helps me in my life it helps me be more effective nobody likes to worry you don't want to do it you just do no one would ever say well it's working out for me you just it just happens it's uncontrollable worry. We all worry about different things. Some of you at the Christmas time, you worry, well, did everybody get enough to eat or did I get the right present or do this? Some of you are thinking, how am I going to pay for all this? How am I going to do get through this? We all worry about different things. But here's what I know about all worry, about all of it, and that is crippling. It's debilitating. It will take you out of the flow of your life in an instant. It will flat out. So let me describe it for you. You show up at the party at your house and you're going to decorate the tree with your family or whatever it is. You show up at that thing. But because of your worry, because of your tightness, because of whatever it is, because of that worry, it takes you out of that moment. And you're not even behaving the way that you wanted to when you showed up. And you even maybe take yourself aside and think, well, what's wrong with you? Why are you uptight? Why are you this? Why are you that? And you ruin that whole moment. It robs you of your peace. It's crippling. Again, Jeremiah said it this way. He says, when I heard reports about them, when I heard about how bad it was going to be, our hands hang limp. I was paralyzed. Anguish gripped us. Pain like that of a woman in labor. So what do we do? What do we do when we have this kind of anguish? We have this kind of paralyzing. We have this this grip, this worry that's on our life. What happens when our peace is stolen? How are we going to find a little peace in this world? And I already know what some of you are thinking, right? I know what you've probably been thinking for the last 10 minutes. And that is you're thinking, Ben, you didn't do enough research because I've been watching Charlie Brown this week. And I know that peace on earth exists in the Bible. Like I know that phrase. I heard Linus read it at the play, right? Some of you are thinking, I know it's in there. It's in that Christmas story. I know it's there. So we're going to read that story together because I want to show you what it actually says. So look with me, right? Luke chapter 10 or Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, so there's an angel talking to shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, and here's the phrase, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So on earth, peace on those, or if you know the traditional King James Version, peace, goodwill towards men. But guess what? You know what it actually says? It doesn't say peace on earth. It never says peace on earth. It says on earth, peace to those on whom God's favor rests. 
One translation says this way. I want to read it to you from my notes. It says, on earth, peace to those who have his goodwill. It's actually the truest to the original Greek, meaning that there is a peace while you're on this earth that is filled with turmoil. That there is a peace to those on whom God's favor rests, where God's presence is, on those on whom his goodwill is. That would beg the question to me then, and how in the world do you get God's favor? Because I need some peace in my life. And if I need that peace in my life, then how would I get God's favor in order to have it? How do you get that? So for today and the next two weeks, I want to take a look at that. I want to see how we can get that peace in our lives. Because listen to me closely. If your expectation is that there would be peace on this earth, you're going to be waiting a long, long time. If you think you're going to find peace on this earth, but if you think that you can have peace inside of you, no matter what goes on around you, no matter what the turmoil is, that can be available for you today. God is wanting to give that to you. So what we should be looking for is not getting peace, but getting favor. If we want the peace of God to reign in our lives, what we should be looking at is getting his favor that leads to the peace that he can give. That's where we should be going. In fact, Jesus even said it this way. He said, I have a gift for you. I'm leaving you with this gift, peace of mind and peace of heart. He said, I want to give that to you. And the peace I give isn't fragile like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. He says, I have a gift for you. Jesus is saying there is a gift. I don't know about the gifts you may give or get or whatever it is at Christmas time. This is not some patronizing Christmassy type message. Jesus said there is actually a gift for you, a gift worth having that he wants to leave peace of mind and peace of heart. And he said, I'm giving it to you because it's more than anything that the world could possibly give you. Because the peace that the world gives is just temporary. Most of it's just lame. Most of it doesn't work at all. And the stuff that maybe even has a semblance of working is just temporary. It's all temporary. But Christ is saying, I give you a peace that can last forever. I can give you that peace. So four things I found in Scripture today, I just want to give them to you. Four ways that we can get God's favor in order to get his peace. You dive into these this week. I promise you, dive into them this week. This Christmas time, or better yet, for the rest of your life. And I guarantee you, no matter what the world does around you, no matter what breaks out around you, you will find peace all up in the middle of it. You will find peace in your life. If you want God's favor that results in peace, number one, first thing we have to do, starting at the beginning, you have to receive God's pardon. Some of you need a pardon today. Some of you need to be forgiven today because anyone who's ever sinned, and that's all of us, that's every person in this room, some of us already this morning, all right? Come on, just be honest. Some of us have already stepped out. Everyone who's ever sinned, but if you're not letting go, if there's unrepentant sin, It's sin. It's habitual. There's this sin in your life. Everyone who's ever had that in their life, you know the shame and what it's doing to you on the inside. Even if nobody else knows about it, you're holding that on the inside. It is tearing you up. If you keep that sin, and some of you need a pardon. You need a pardon today. You've got to receive God's forgiveness. Because it's tearing you up on the inside. It's, It's doing things. Psychologists say it's the greatest form or the greatest source of stress in our life is guilt. And so some of you are walking around carrying that baggage on the inside, that guilt on the inside. You're just, you're just tearing it around, and it is taking every piece of peace in your life. It's taking it everything away from you. And I love that word pardon. You know what a pardon is? Sometimes a governor or a president will pardon somebody. And that is with the stroke of a pen, when they write their name, when they sign it on there, that means that that person, and usually they're not very good people. Usually they're pretty terrible. But that means with the signature of a pen, they pardon them and they're free. They're free to go. The past isn't remembered. It's all expunged. There is no record. There is no trial. It's all all gone because somebody, watch this, somebody in authority signed their name. So here's the truth for you this morning, and that is that you will never be able to pardon yourself. 
You will never be able to pardon yourself. You'll never be a good enough person. You'll never work hard enough. You'll never be able to just make up for whatever it is. You'll never be able to pardon yourself. But with the stroke of his pen, he can write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. He can write your name with his authority and he can pardon you. He can set you free. You can walk free this morning. He can sign that name. Some of you have to receive God's pardon. Some of you are bowing under the weight of your own sin, carrying your own load, trying your own way to do whatever it is to get free. When he says, I can free you. Some of you have to receive the pardon. I'm going to tell you, it'll be one of the most peaceful moments of your life. When you lay down that burden that you're carrying, you lay down that guilt that you have on the inside and let him free you. Let him free you. Romans 5 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified, since we've been justified through faith, justified just as if I'd never done it through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What happens? We have peace with God. Some of you have to experience that today. You don't need to just go to church on a Sunday. You don't need more religion in your life. You need a pardon. Some of you need to experience his forgiveness. You need someone with the authority to do it, to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. You need someone to write your name. You need to walk out of here knowing that your sins are forgiven. And some of you, God is dealing with you right now. He's pointing out that guilt or that thing that you've carried. Man, carry it no further. You've maybe lived under that guilt where you thought, well, God couldn't want me. God wants you. He wants you. He wants to pardon you. He wants to forgive you. Second thing we have to do in order to experience God's peace today, and I'm really trying desperately just to pastor you in this series, just to pass these things on. The second thing we need to do is we have to run to God's presence. We need to receive his pardon. Then we have to run to his presence. You need to pull away during the turmoil, during the chaos that is this Christmas. You know what I needed to do out on I-65? You know what I needed to do? I need to back up, let that guy in, keep singing VeggieTales, worship, right, and pray for him. Not what I wanted to do. It's probably not what I did, but come on, somebody. It's... Because you can't even trust your reaction to this, this, on this chaotic earth. You can't even trust your natural reaction. But what you can do is start to discipline yourself in order to react to these things, especially at Christmas time. Because I guarantee you, chaos and troubles and things are coming for you this month. These things are coming for you, but you start to discipline your mind. You learn to pull away. And some of you need some of that. Isaiah says it this way. He says, you will keep him, speaking to the Lord, you will keep him. And this is the only place I found this phrase, in perfect peace. So not just peace, you want perfect peace. Well, how do you get that? Whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. The one whose mind is stayed on the Lord. So some of us need to escape. Some of us need to pull back. Some of us need to get into God's presence. We need to get our mind. If you want perfect peace in your life, you need to get into God's presence. Some of you take this afternoon and just pull away to a quiet place. Take a walk, sit in a rocking chair. I don't know, walk down a trail, look at some birds, read a psalm. Some of you need that in your life. You've got to get back into his presence because that's where perfect peace is. You want perfect peace in your life. Your mind has to be stayed on him. You've got to pull back out of the chaos. I would love to have a church, man, that we could all learn together. Man, that we could all learn together to get into the presence of God. And we try to do that every Sunday, try to provide you that moment in worship or in the sermon where you have that chance to be in his presence. But you can't wait till next Sunday. You can't wait till next Sunday to be in his presence. You've got to decide that for yourself all throughout the week. You've got to pull away and you've got to run to his presence. You've got to run into his presence. Can I hear a good amen right there? Come on, somebody. Can we just say, you've got to get into So first thing, you've got to receive his pardon. Second thing is you've got to run to his presence. Third thing, thing we need to do, and this is maybe the hardest of all, you've got to respect his principles. Respect his principles. If we want the favor of God on our life, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in the series, but we want the favor of God on our life. We've got to respect his principles. Some of us are violating God's principles. 
Now, you're saved. You have Jesus in your life. He saved you. You're going to heaven, but you're violating principles in God's word. And this is honestly something that we need to confront in our culture today. This is something that has kind of risen up in the last 50 to 100 years. Where we started to say, well, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago, and so it needs more context. And it needs, you know, it needs a little bit. It needs to bend a little here. It needs to change a little. No, it doesn't. It doesn't need to change. Now, we have to change to conform. We have to honor and respect his principles. Because the psalm says it this way. Only place I found this phrase, by the way, great peace. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing can make them stumble. Nothing can rip away the priest. Great peace have those who love your law. Can I just encourage you today? Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Live it out. Do it. Begin to learn what God's word says. Obey it. Great peace have those who love your law. I'm just encouraging. Really go after God today. And really go after him. Start this week. Let this be the first. Let it be the turning point where you really say, okay, I'm going to respect his principles. Because first thing, you really need to be forgiven. And we really need his pardon. And then you need to get away and you got to get into God's presence. You got to find that place. You got to pull away from it. Get it. I promise you it's not on I-65, but it's somewhere. All right. You can find you can find that place to get into God's presence. And then we have to respect his principles. You find that respect his principles. We're going to need it. And we're going to need this, especially not just in this month. And I know we joke about the craziness around Christmas and it's all that. But for the rest of our lives and your families, many of the things that you walk through in your workplace and all that we need his favor, and we need his peace. So we've got to find a place where we can pull away. We've got to respect his principles. We've got to obey the word of God. Man, just obey it. Just put it into your life. I promise you that peace will follow. Whatever he says. If you haven't been water baptized, get water baptized. If you're not in a church, join a church. It doesn't have to be this church. Just get in a church. Get into that relationship with other believers. Just obey what the word of God says. Begin to live it out in your life. I promise you, the Bible says great peace. Great peace follows those. And this last one is the one I want to do today. And that we also, we need to rely on God's provision. We've got to rely on his provision. In other words, he needs to be the one that we tell our problems to. He needs to be the one that we go to as a first resort, not as a last response. He needs to be the one that we run to. And I'm not talking just financial difficulties. I'm not saying just that. I'm talking everything that we need provision for in our life. We need to go to our father first. We need to go to him first. Philippians 4 As we close today, he says, don't worry about anything. So don't worry about instead pray about everything. Tell God your needs and then watch this. And don't forget to thank him for his answers. And if you do this, watch this church. If you do this, if you run to God with your needs, if you run to him for provision, if he is your first day, if you do this, you will experience God's peace. You'll experience the peace of God, the peace that we're all looking for, the thing we want in our lives. You'll experience that, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And his peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. That's the peace we want. That's the peace we want. So we rely on him with our provision. I'm talking about running to God with everything that we've got. Running to God with every problem that we encounter. Running to God with everything that causes turmoil and chaos. We go to him first. And we get that in our lives and the peace of God that surpasses our understanding. The peace of God that keeps us in Christ Jesus, the peace of God that could reign in our lives. Bow your heads with me right now. I just want to do that right now. I just want to have and give you an opportunity to have that moment where we rely on him for his provision. Let's just seek God for a moment together. You don't need another message. We need to actually do it. 
You don't need me up here just just railing away or trying to convince or anything like that. We need to actually do it in our lives. We need to seek him first. So go after God today. Nobody else is looking around. We're all bowing our heads, just raising. We're just raising our, our, our voices to him. We're just continuing. Go after God. And all over this room, come on, let's run to the Lord. Father, I pray for every person that's here today. God, I'm asking you to do something great in their lives. Lord, that we would experience the peace of Christ Jesus. Lord, that your favor would rest on our lives and we would have your peace. So, Lord, I pray for every person that's here today, God, that we wouldn't just hear about peace, but we could experience it. In this moment right now, Lord, we could experience your peace in our lives. Some of you this morning, you've got to receive healing from something that you've walked through today. Some of you need to receive healing. Some of you have been carrying a burden for somebody else. Somebody experienced a loss this year. Some of you are just struggling under the weight of carrying your own load, your own sin. So here's what I want to do today. I just want to pray. I just want to pray for you that the peace of God would reign. So with every head bowed, I want to start back at the beginning. Some of you need to receive a pardon. Some of you came in today carrying the weight of your own sin. Some of you are just staggering under its weight. You need to receive his forgiveness. Some of you say, I've been carrying it for years and years and years and I'm ready to be free. So if that's you, I just want to tell you, I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you stand up, or raise, I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you. I want to connect you with Jesus. I want to connect you with a God who with the stroke of his pen can set you free. So if that's you today, you say, Ben, I, I want to be free. I want his forgiveness. I'm tired of carrying it on my own. I want to be saved. I want Jesus in my life. I just want to pray with you. But here's the thing. It will be the easiest prayer that you have ever prayed. But it will cost you everything. Because it's surrender of your life to him. It's acceptance of what Jesus did on the cross and it's surrender of your life to him. And so if that's you today, every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, we're going to start there. And then we'll pray for everyone as a whole. But I want to start with those. If you say, Ben, I need to receive God's pardon today. I want to receive his forgiveness. I need Jesus in my life. If that's you today, just slip up your hand right now. Say, pray for me. Thank you. Great job. Just right now, if that's you, you say, pray for me. Great job. Man, great job, guys. You say, I need that forgiveness. I'm tired of carrying my own weight. I'm tired of carrying my own sin. I want to pray that today. If that's you, just join those who've lifted their hands. We're going to pray. 
And here's how we're going to do it. All the church is going to pray with you. Whether you're watching online, you're here in this room, we're going to pray this prayer with you so no one feels singled out, no one like that. But I encourage you. I can give you the words. You've got to pray them and mean them. You've got to lift your voice to heaven. So come on, church, let's pray with those. Here we are. If you're saying that, pray that with me. Just say these words. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Say, pardon me. Free me. I accept what you did on the cross. I accept your forgiveness. Say these words. Be the Lord of my life. I love you. I'm going to live for you. In Jesus' name. Now I want every person in this room, just open your hands right now. Keep your heads bowed, but let's open our hands before the Lord. God, I'm praying that you would pour out the gift of peace on every person in this room. Lord, at this Christmas time, that your peace would reign in our lives. Lord, peace that goes beyond our understanding, perfect peace, great peace. Lord, only the peace that you can give. And Lord, I pray that in the middle of this chaotic earth, in the middle of this turmoil, Lord, in our lives, in the middle of everything that goes on around us, we would have your peace on the inside. Lord, we would have peace that passes understanding. God, let us be the bearers of that, that even those around us would see it and would know that it's the God that we serve. And Lord, I pray especially for those who have lost loved ones this year. God, those who have experienced loss, those who have gone through a financial stress, Lord, those who are carrying the burden, Lord, those who are going through things in their life, I pray especially for them that your peace would reign. Lord, for those who are in dysfunctional marriages, God, those who have wayward children, Lord. God, those who have these things that creep up at Christmas time that just try to steal our peace, I pray over them that you would be the rock that we run to. That you would be the pillar in our life, the unchanging God, the one Lord who gives peace to us and favor in our lives. So Father, we lift you high. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the peace that you give us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us, for the healing that we've experienced. And Lord, we say it, not only at Christmas time, but all year long, we say thank you for the gift that you gave us in your son, Jesus. We thank you that we can have peace through him, through his sacrifice. We thank you again and we praise you and we worship you for who you are. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's church said amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for what God has done today?